Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. Just want to let everybody know we got some hot Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals going on right now. If you head on <laughs> over to thegloriolblog.com. One East Kai for the price of two. <laughs> Wait. Yes. <laughs> Wait. Shit. Uh, no, you know all of our all of our all of our uh, podcast episodes, written content, all, everything fifty percent off if you use code code Glorio at checkout. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, but the real doorbuster, if uh, you act right now, subscribe to the podcast. It is one hundred percent free. Oh shit! Damn, free deals. I don't, I don't get uh, our takes fresh at your door. Unfortunately, the only deal we're, we're, we're making a loss on this one. It's like, <laughs> the only deal I will like... accept is to be paid to listen to the podcast. So, uh, well, you know. um, we'll work on that for next year. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you're talking to our right. sponsors. Well, uh, we got some anime to talk about, as per usual. We're we're thick into the fall season here uh actually we're more than halfway now at this point right yeah i mean we're 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 closing in on the on the landing strip for fall season yeah i don't want to think too hard about the fact that it's already well by the time this goes out it will be december Uh um and we've got we're gonna have all of our crazy year-end things to deal with i'm still trying not to think about that but uh i will have to think about it soon uh but uh but yeah, I mean, we still got some pretty good things going right now, so let's talk about that. Uh, to introduce everybody, I'm Jell. I am joined by Iroh. I'm still here. I'm not dead yet. Uh, we're joined by G. What's good, everybody? And this week we have Zig with us. I come from the land of the ice and snow. <laughs> it's pretty cold here, guys. Yeah, it is that time of year for those of us who don't live on the west coast of the United yeah. States. Uh, it's almost like it's December or something. Yeah, so um, that's, you know, we're going we're to have snow any, any day now, I'm sure. If, if you haven't had it already, I haven't yet, but uh, we're getting there. I'm a little too far south for regular snow, but it's been snowing up north where all the heathens live. Ah, yes. We won't name any names. But, uh, <laughs> all right. So yeah, uh, we got a lot to talk about, so let's get into it, and we'll, I wanted to start this time with the Heika story, because that actually finished yes, this a, past uh, week. Yeah. A, a casualty of uh, our new world order, yeah, where so seasons it started, don't mean anything. And, yeah, uh-huh. it started late last season, and yes. uh, <clears throat> I mean, and just, just ended this week. And, uh, and to be clear, this is because it was only a net anime. It was it it has not yet been broadcast on television. So right. So I think they're going to do that slots. like in January or something. January like that, or February I, or something. Yeah, yeah. That, that'll actually air. But for anybody who wants to see it, it has been available. Um, but yeah, uh, what an ending. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> they finished very strong. Yes. With yes. Uh, you know, I talked about last time how episode nine was very good, and I feel like that carried over into ten and eleven, which were the final two episodes. Yeah, I think um, Heika is a great example of a show I like to point to when I talk about how uh, important I think it is for anime to stick the landing, because mm. uh, I think that you know, you know, sometimes you know, a really good ending can make an above-average anime seem great. And a below-average ending can make a great anime seem, you know, average, right? Like, yeah. I, and I feel like, 
especially with something like Heika that I think I think we've made it all pretty clear that we have all enjoyed week to week. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, if it had if it had not finished as strongly as as it did, I'm I'm not exactly sure where it would have like sat in my personal rankings. But the episodes nine, ten, eleven, like kind of final stretch there is just like an unbelievable like unbelievably strong like collection of of episodes in terms of like just the visuals, the directing. And and of course the storytelling, like it's... yeah, and and I think you know, I I think the fact that this is a story where the ending has literally been known for a thousand years is kind of both an advantage and a disadvantage in this case. You know, it's an advantage because you know what you're working towards, but it's a disadvantage because you know what you're working towards. And so I think sure. it really had to step up its game presentationally and character writing wise to really make something that we all knew was going to happen hit with that sort of impact. And I think it really did do that. I think it really made that inevitable ending feel extremely fresh. Right. I, I think one thing that really I, I would really like to uh, to give shout-outs to for Heika is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I kind of talked about this uh, a couple of times, but, you know, as Zig said, uh, you know, these are the adaptation, you know, this is an adaptation of a fictional retelling of historical events. <laughs> and so... Uh-huh. There are aspects of the tale of Heika that are iconic to finding, right? Like, there are moments, you know, and characters in this story that uh, are, are larger than life, you know, and, 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 and take up a lot of attention. And, and something that I, th- I feel Heika has done, uh, Heika the anime, has done very well is sort of pick and choose and, and sort of deliberately, like, decide which aspects of the story it wishes to emphasize to further the themes it's trying to tell uh you know right. like for you know for example you know the last episode is focused on you know the 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 iconic battle of dan Ura, you know but you know yoshitsune is like barely there right like right like, like there this this whole anime kind of skips over the last couple chapters of the actual tale of heiko that are about the Minamoto's like consolidating their power and so right, right. but I, I think that but, is a deliberate choice yeah. and I think it's a very no, that's, strong that's, choice that's what, that's what we're that, saying that's, yeah. that's literally what I was saying I said deliberate yeah, yeah, choice yeah, yeah. I, I think because in a lot of ways right like uh, Naoko Yamato is trying to tell you know quite literally the tale of the Heika right like in many ways Yoshitsune is not supposed to be a character in this telling of the story because we are, you know, meant to sympathize and understand and feel the tragedy of like the Heika's inevitable destruction. Right. And so, Yoshitsune and and you know all of the Genji side are are only important because they serve a function, and that function right, exactly. is to be the people who precipitate the downfall. Exactly. Right. And that's what we always say is good at adaptation, right? It picks what is the important parts. Yeah. Because you can't cram everything that you can have in a novel into a to a you know eleven episode or, anime, or, or even if you do, right? It's like you need to pick which aspects of that story do you feel are the most important. Uh, right. I was mm-hmm. I was talking about this with Hero a bit, and I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll just throw this. Maybe I'm just going to throw this theory out there. I, I don't you know I'm not going to throw any like real weight behind this, but it kind of really clicked for me once I realized that the end of. Uh, Yamada's adaptation of the tale of Heika was going to focus primarily on the fate of Tokuko, and mm-hmm. primarily that conversation she has with uh, you know Emperor Go Shirakawa about how does one overcome grief, uh, how does one live in spite of 
the unbelievable tragedies that they've been forced to live through. And um, right. I'm and, just going to interject here and say that that's a deliberate creative choice because that book is actually sort of not part of the main body of right. the story. Exactly. It is and, like it is a later written epilogue. Yeah. So you and, could and have think, chosen to exclude that. And I think that's a very interesting choice then to to uh, put so much attention on that. And, you know, again, I feel like I just have to throw this out there, but I do wonder then in some regards how much of the tale of Heika is... How deeply personal of a project did this end up being for Naoko Yamada? Uh, you know, for you know those unaware, uh, was uh, a survivor of the Kyoani arson attacks. Hmm. And how much of the tale of Heika is about survivor's guilt, right? Like, two of the primary female characters in the story, Biwa and Tokuko, are characters who are forced to witness and live through and survive... Uh, uh, deeply traumatic events that happen to their loved ones and family. Mm-hmm. And much of their struggle then is bearing witness to that tragedy, um, you know, telling this never you know, telling the stories of the people who lived through those tragedies and, you know, not forgetting that even though these people may one day go on to become villains in their own story, that they too were people with their own agency and intrinsic humanity. And I don't know. I, I guess I'm. Yeah. I, I I I can't help but ask the question. Then does right. this version of the tale of Heika even exist? If ha, had it had the arson never happened, right? Is like is is right. how much? You know, it's just that thing of like artists. You know, as an artist, I could say that like, no matter what your subject matter is, no matter what type of art you do, your real life experiences will always inform it somehow, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I think it's an interesting question because. Um, obviously, you know, the, the tale of Haker is the tale of Haker, and there have been no changes to how it ends, And but context is important, as you say, and I think one of the most interesting decisions is, from what I can gather, and I will clarify, I have not read the original work, nor a full translation, but like many of the great ancient epics, you know, the tale of Haker is is concerned with being a moralistic tale as much as it is an exciting adventure story, you know. And I think one of the things that they've downplayed in this adaption lot is a lot is the idea of, you know, the karmic cycle, death and rebirth, the the Buddhist philosophy, which is at the core of a lot of these fables, if you want to call them. And I think saving that sort of subtext and then putting it at the very end is a really interesting and powerful creative decision because basically that entire epilogue as you say G is basically about dealing with the consequences of tragedy and how you know life will continue the earth will keep turning you know and that is where a lot of the sort of philosophical come religious thrust of the original work is and I think placing it at the end there serves two purposes firstly it keeps the the main story flowing without the need for sort of too much uh, bogging down in thematic analysis, but also it does serve as a very powerful coda to sort of highlight the idea that, you know, all life is cyclical, rise and fall, so to speak. And um, I think that's a really interesting creative choice, and I think that may have been influenced by Yamada's own desire, you know, to, to get this part of the story across in the best possible way for a televised adaption. Right. I, I could definitely mm. see that. I I guess I, I really started thinking about this once, you know, 
the, the deeper we got into Heika, the more I realized, oh, like... Because, you know, of course, the, you know, the, the, the intrinsic, like, you know, facts around the creation of this show is that, you know, now, you know, Yamada left KyoAni, you know, to join up with Science Saru to tell the story, right? Yeah. And it's like, what could drive someone who was, like, what one of the most, like, singularly talented individuals at her respective studio? Like, mm-hmm. what, what drives a person like that to, like, pr- pursue a project of this scale and ambition, uh, uh, even going so far as to, like, leave, you know the studio she she defined her career at uh to join up with another one to to pursue that vision right and Mm -hmm. i I can't help but you know just as an artist i can't help but wonder was something like deeply primordial driving her to tell this story right like did she feel yeah this was a story she had to tell come hell or high water i think that you know um like monumental life events do cause people to reevaluate their life and their relationship to their work and their art and what they do, right? You know, and obviously, given the nature of the industry, we'll never really know what of course, happened between yeah. Yamada and and you know whether she even gave Kiarani the option of producing this show. And I will point out that um, a lot of the freelance key animation work was done by ex Kiarani staffers or even current Kiarani staffers who were contracted on a freelance basis. So she has retained close ties to the to the pool of artists that right. work there, you know. But I think I think it's we can't speculate too much, you know, but I think yeah. that the the need for change is a theme of the show and that's reflected in the circumstances of its creation as well, you know. Right. And and I'm not entirely sure, with the best will in the world, I'm not entirely sure a production like this would have been possible at Kyoto Animation, or at least it would have looked very different. And I think that's definitely that's like an aspect of it, for sure. Like, yeah. I mean, even when the when the show started, I, I was thinking, I mean, for some people, I mean, it might even just be difficult to go back to that studio again, you know, after what happened. Right. But, um, like we're saying, I mean, we can only speculate... It is an interesting question, though, because, like we said, there there were choices of what you could have adapted from this story and what you could have left out and what you could have emphasized. And what mm-hmm. they chose does kind of seem to fit that that theme. But I um, mean, there, there is a version of this story that is a triumphant battle against evil and, like, a conquest, right? right. You can tell this right. story as an epic, as a traditional... Uh, you know the forces of good triumph over the forces oh, totally. of evil. I mean, there is totally. I mean, there is a definitely a version of this anime. Maybe not the anime mm-hmm. directed by Naoko Yamada, but there's definitely a version of an anime adaptation of the tale of Heika in which you know Yoshitsune is the main character, right? Uh-huh. Like, you know, we can move <laughs> on to season two. Yoshitsune sends Sakura. Like uh, exactly. And then season three, Yoshitsune is Genghis Khan. But um, <laughs> but but the point is, like you know, I think obviously you know. Turning this story into a character-based drama is very much playing to Naoko Yamada's strengths, you know? And this is one of those occasions where I would be really interested to see what, you know, how fully formed the idea was when she came to Science Saru and presented it, you know? Like, how much how much of this was contributed to by the figures at Science Saru, like Takeuchi and Choi and all those people, you know? it's It's one of those frustrating things where we want more insight than we actually have but i think that you know choosing to tell this story as a as a tragedy is a very very 
personal decision and right. and I think it's impossible that it wasn't influenced in some way by the things Naoko Yamada has been through in the last few years whether that be the fire or you know whatever drove her to leave Kyoani and I'm not saying that was necessarily a conflict perhaps they parted ways purely amicably but there is a change there and like I said this story is about change and downfall and and you know you can read as much or as little into that as you want but I think that the way it's presented invites the comparison, as you said at the beginning, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even without the context, uh, great show, great yeah. series, <laughs> just, um, just fantastic. Yeah, just you know, really fantastic, self-contained. Uh, I I would like to just note again um, the the presentation of it, the the art style and everything. Yeah. Like I feel like most of the best anime is hard to explain exactly why it's good because you have kind of have to watch it and experience it to like Absolutely. really understand. Like mm-hmm. if you just, if you just read to me what the Heike story was, it does, it sounds kind of dry, whatever. But when you watch it and you get the full experience uh, is when you really appreciate it and you, you can, you can feel that it's taking advantage of the medium. And I always feel like those are the best anime. And I feel, I feel like that is an example. Right. This is a good example of that. I, um, I think this is about as perfect as a fusion of the two styles as you could imagine, you know, because you have sort of the very, the great character tick focused animation that Yamada was renowned for at KyoAni, you know, that very sense of lively activity to the characters, but you also have, sort of the the more abstract um painterly work of science saru involved you know and and the net result is just a show that looks fabulous and does so much visual storytelling you know especially at those big moments like you know the deaths the births all of that kind of stuff you know they tell so much through their use of camera angles of scene blocking of color and movement it's it's really remarkable yeah yeah You, you really have to watch it to fully appreciate so I highly mm-hmm. recommend uh, everybody watch it. <laughs> if, yeah. if you haven't, if you haven't been watching already, please. I mean, yeah. If if there check is this one if out. there is one to well, okay. If, I, if there was if there, there are two, two shows on this list. If, if there are two shows <laughs> to keep an eye on this season. One of them is the Haka story. Yes. <laughs> uh, I can't. I can't so confidently state that Haka is the one. Not when there's another thing on this list, but yeah, but it's it one way, of the two. It's, it's right up there with the best shows of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, like, it's going to be in that conversation. Yeah, that it is, is going. Is, it is going soon. to be. You know, it's there's been this Mex there's this Mexican standoff between <laughs> um, fucking Odd Taxi and Dina Xenon and and Megaloba- Megalobox Nomad, and then suddenly fucking you hear the clinking. Of the spurs of the Haka, the Haka story coming in, saying, "Hold on, there's room here <laughs> for Space me Samurai." Too. Yeah, exactly. Pulls out two fucking pistols and joins the joins the standoff. <laughs> That's gonna be a fun discussion. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on for now, and let's talk about Aquatope on White Sand, mm-hmm. which somehow this nice show really pissed me off this week. <laughs> well, you know, well. In some ways, is that not because Aquatope is, like many of that specific type of PA work shows, is will is willing to explore a subject matter that is uh, a little too close say, to home in some yeah a little too ways. close to home uh, for some of us yeah so so basically there's I, this has been a long standing issue with the show with me that kind of came to 
came to a head in this these two episodes mm-hmm. where it started with her grandpa and it moved on to like her assistant director into the second half where there's these men in charge who are depicted as being very wise and all-knowing and they know what's best for Kukuru even though she doesn't realize it and if they and if she just does what they say everything's going to work out right all according to plan right Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. It was more tolerable with Grandpa because he wasn't actively being an asshole, whereas her new boss is. <laughs> also, like kindly grandparents who know what's best for you is kind of a a, a fairly gentle version of that. Right. Trope, right? Yeah, it's, it's a classic but trope for sure. My but... my my. But the, the the biggest problem I have with that is not that that the, that type of character is in the story but that they never communicate anything to Kukuru whatsoever. I think yeah, I am definitely with you there because I did catch up on uh, not this week's episode but the one before that, right? And I feel like it has been sort of legitimately annoying to like because like it, it's it's a thing of like, it's it's just dragging its feet on a conclusion that everybody the audience included already knows of like Yes, we get it, right? That these, like, authority figures in Kukuru's life are trying to, like, guide her down the right path, but they don't want to hold her hand, you know? They want to, you know, they want to see if she can figure it out on her own, right? And, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is going to be a learning experience for her, right? And it's like, okay, but we get that. We have known that for, like, six episodes. So, like, yeah, can we just get to the point? (laughs) Yeah, so, like, so if I can share... A story from my life, where when I first started working out of school. Hell yeah, I love deeply personal stories on podcasts. Oh boy! I you know I started out. I was working as a graphic designer, uh-huh. and I, I enjoyed doing it. I was the best designer we had. I'm I uh-huh, and uh-huh. um, but after like a year or two, my boss decided that you know he he thought I would be more valuable working in more like you know learning to manage the team and learning eventually managing the shop. I worked for a print shop. Sure. And, um, you know, that was a little weird for me cause I wanted to be a designer and, uh, you know, I would, when I got pulled off of that, I would go back and watch the design team and be like, Oh, I would have done this with that project. And sometimes <laughs> I would start meddling around with it. Kind of like what Kukuru does where she's sure. like, can't yeah. keep her hands out uh-huh. of the, right. no, the other stuff. Yeah. But you know, the, the difference with me aside from I was, getting paid more um (laughs) the difference with me was my boss explained his reasoning to me what his his you know plan and what his goals were for me and what what he thought i was capable of and like he didn't just be like well i'm taking you off the design team you're gonna come work with me in the office nope don't don't question it just do it just shut up and do it and that's basically what they're doing to kukuru and had they had that been done to me i probably would have quit Right, like, and and that's just poor management. And it's like, terrible that is management. Just very, very like, poor yeah, management. No, like, no matter how you slice. Like, like if you're going to be like a real mentor, you have to like mentor people. You can't right. just like, like, like okay. Like let, let's be clear here, right? The like intentionally bad mentor trope only works in kung fu movies. <laughs> right? Yes. Like you can only be an intentionally bad mentor because you are secretly, you know. Testing the character of your young hotshot fighter to see if he can handle the responsibility of learning your final killing technique. Right. And so like that's why. Fu, yeah, kung fu movies are such a hyper stylized form of story. Also, there's there's some value in lear- in learning to you know get your ass whooped. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Right. But, <laughs> but what I'm there's saying a difference that... between learning on the job and like willingly obfuscating yeah. the beating you're and, about and that's, to take. That's right. a thing I, I really that's don't exactly... like about. 
Like, I yeah. really don't like the assistant director character because, like, I get the vibe. I get the trope they're doing, right? He is the brusque, like, you know, kind of, kind of like short-tempered, like, boss who, like, constantly belittles his employees. But that's because deep down, he just has such high expectations of them, and he knows that if he pushes them a little harder, that they'll rise to meet, you know, the occasion. But like. He just, like, throws Kukuru to the deep end constantly. Yeah. It's like, so yeah, that's right. I expected you to fuck up. Right. Like, that so was in the this, point of this exercise. In it's this like, episode what? specifically, he takes her out to do a presentation to a, cli- a potential client. And then after she bombs, as they're walking away, it's like, oh, well, I knew you were going to fail. Now here's how we're going to fix it. And I'm like, that is the absolute worst well, most infuriating like, thing for a, for a start like what about that client how do you feel yeah if you're like you're, you're putting you're like, like, so that's the really a thing that's annoying because this character the assistant director is initially introduced as a very like pragmatic like material minded like uh, uh voice of authority at the at the aquarium right like he's intentionally like positioned as like you know the Kanamori of of the of yeah. The he said many times, like, "Our job is to make more money for the aquarium." Right. And like, I will do it. Basically, I will do anything it takes to make that happen. Like, like he he is framed and, initially as very like success oriented, right? Like, I will do anything to make sure this aquarium stays and you know stays in the black, right? And that there's kind of an unspoken and, subtext there that like this is what Gama Gama did not have, right? They right. didn't have somebody who kept an eye on this shit. And so that could be an interesting thing, right? Again, I mean, all of us, we all love, we all love kind of money. Like, it's not that uh-huh. this, that type of character isn't workable in a piece of fiction, right? Like, that could be an interesting contrast, right? If you, if this assistant director was framed more as like, you know, much respect to your grandfather, but this is why Gama Gama failed, right? It's because you didn't have someone like the assistant director here. Like running the books, making sure that like they were bringing in more customers, right? Right. But to tell me that then this dude who is so <laughs> concerned about success and like making money would willingly let a new employee purposely fail and potentially lose a major client to teach her a lesson, like <laughs> that, yeah. it's, it's it's incongruous with the so character kidding. that's been established. Like he would do something actively detrimental to his results. Here is ridiculous and just. The whole thing is infuriating because, like, they're, like, mentally torturing Kukuru at this point because she doesn't know why she's in this position. She doesn't understand what the plan is. She just wants to go play with the fish. Right. She's, like, putting in, like, overtime, like, day in and day out, right? Yeah. They talk about how she's fucking staying at the aquarium until, like, fucking one in the morning every day of the week. And it's, like... Yeah. So, that's where it gets interesting in the next episode. Because Kukuru just decides to not go to work anymore. <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. Which is entirely understandable. Yeah. And I mean, she kind of, she kind of goes on what I think is being sold as a parallel to Fuka at the beginning of the series, where when Fuka is kind of just ditches everybody and runs off to, and that's how we got into this position in the first place. Right. So Kukuru um, ends up going to like the next town over with uh, the. Uh, the uh, the middle aged guy with the booze ice pops, his wife. They meet up oh, and they yeah yeah him. Okay. They, okay. they they go over to the I can't remember his name, but they go over to his wife finds Kukuru and they they head over to like the next town over, and she's just kind of like taking the day off and sure hanging out at their tiny little aquarium that they have in the next town over and like you know remembering the stuff that she genuinely likes to do, and it kind of ends without any resolution in this episode yet. Uh, you know, they have everybody kind of frantic because she just ghosts everybody and they have everybody like <laughs> frantically looking for her and everything. And, you know, she finally touches base with Fuka and everything. But 
what she does next is left to next episodes. I don't know what's going to happen. Sure. Okay. And it makes me wonder, you know, the, the obvious thing is, you know, she'll have rediscovered her passion or whatever and go back to the job. But I'm wondering if she is going to go back. Hmm. Because I feel like they are drawing, if they're drawing this as a parallel to what happened to Fuka, Fuka quit. She right, and then yeah, right. I mean, she stopped being an idol. And she stopped being an idol, and and they made it clear that she is a hundred percent okay with that decision. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if, and this would be fantastic if they did this. If she just says, you know, you know, forget your big corporate, you know, money machine aquarium thing. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna build this up from the mud over here <laughs> and do my own thing. And I could actually see that happening, and I think that would be a fantastic turn I, for this story to I take. I cannot see that happening because every, I don't think it's the likely every single play. piece of Japanese media that presents this situation is about how you should actually go back and gut it out and take responsibility. But, right. It's about but they've already Japanese media, quo. like. But they've already done that once with her, with the other main character. And I'm wondering if they would, like, I agree, and I still think the most likely scenario is that she will just go back to her job. But because they've already done that once with another character that they're basically foil characters here at this point, they're like the main characters, I'm wondering if that would be the route they go. That would make me feel better about what has been happening. If she just I goes back. you any amount of money that that will not happen. Okay. Well, I'm just. Throwing I, I still that. think I still think it's an interesting thing to bring up, though. I think that would be a cool like. It, yeah. it would be. It would be a cool yeah. direction. I mean, for the plot when, to take, when I this just... when this show when this show started, yeah, we all thought Kukuru was going to save the aquarium and Fuku right. was going to become an idol, and none of that happened. They right. they've, they've they've I should point out they've bulldozed the old aquarium. That's done. Oh yeah That's yeah yeah back. they they yes they they literally yeah, have they've literally destroyed will, uh, the very physical like institution. Yeah, so like of the so like that's that's definitely done. Like, and, and uh, that's the thing. I, I could kind of see where you're coming from, Jell. Of like, the show has been willing to like refuse a status quo on a couple of occasions now, right? Like, again, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like you said, we were so sure they were going to save the aquarium somehow. We were so sure Fuku would end up being an idol again. And like, for the fact that the show is now two for two for refusing a return to a status quo. You know, in, I think in, in that major like, areas, right? Yeah, I think it's that in like, some ways uh, Tingara is maybe too like entrenched in the plot, like like too much of the cast is tied to Tingara that like, right? I don't know if the show like f- from a framework perspective could handle that sort of like sp- like destination split in the plot, but you know, again, I think just hey, to entertain it as a possibility, I think it would be <laughs> neat. I, 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 I don't mean, think to... I don't think it's a zero percent chance. Is all no, I'm it's not a zero percent chance. But I I just want to push back. I I think you know it has made decisions that we didn't expect, but it has also couched those decisions in like the safest, softest way you could possibly do them. You know, I mean, like you have you had like uh, Kukuru's like childish little outburst where she barred the doors of the aquarium and sat mm-hmm. inside all night and stuff. I mean, and, and yes, then, but that doesn't mean that they didn't happen (laughs) like yes everything has some soft padding to it but but they're still doing it so i I guess you know i've just seen pa work shows do this song and dance so many times that i i i just can't really have faith that they will truly push the boat out on that stuff you know and maybe that's on me maybe i'm just too cynical i mean the 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 work the working girl shows are uh tend to 
stretch out a little more, be less predictable than some of like that, the, like the, true, the teen romance true. ones. Yeah, and things I mean, like I feel that. like the reason I still watch these goddamn PA Works anime. <laughs> damn, Shirobako was legit. The fucking my yeah. favorite anime of that year it came out, and I just still have that lingering goodwill every single time. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'm, I just I'm enjoying like I'm enjoying watching Aquatope, even though it pissed me off. But so I mean. We're we're twenty we're twenty one episodes deep here, and I'm still in it. So yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, Shirobako we will. Uh, Shirobako we will... <laughs> anime of the year was it twenty fourteen like twenty fifteen? Uh, I don't even remember now. <laughs> it feels like an eternity now at this point. But uh, we can't have this fight again. Yeah. All right. Says the one who threw the grenade into the room. Like yeah, you, you can't throw the grenade. We're like oh, yeah, I, you, you, I, I mean if I. <laughs> If I threw the grenade into I'm the room, that means I'm it. the one running away, right? Well, as as host of the podcast, I will force us all to move along because we need to keep moving. Um, let's talk about uh, Tact Opus Destiny. Sure. Somehow this show, in spite of everything, is still good. It's still going. It's still, um, I mean, still going. And somehow... <sighs> so, I think the thing that is making Tact Opus Destiny work in comparison to perhaps its thematically uh, related compatriots, uh, shall we say, Fena the Pirate Princess and Sakugan. Yes. Uh, I feel like Tact Opus Destiny has been the most successful of the three because it is doing the thing we all said, which is don't don't fuck it up. Don't fuck up the formula. Don't add needless drama. Just keep being... A cool, dumb show about hot, problematic waifus with rollerblade feet and girls with shotguns fighting demons, and just keep doing that. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't I stray think, from the path. I think if we're ranking the uh, lovable dirtbags going a road trip anime uh-huh. from uh, this season, th- this is definitely keeping the formula. Uh, they're they're doing they're doing it the right way. I there's think some, if we are, there's something to be said for knowing your limits sometimes. Exactly, and yeah, I feel yeah. like that is. A, and, and I I almost want to give Tact Opus credit for that, of like for for doing the bare minimum of being yeah, a decent anime, right. yeah. Just not overreaching to the point where it breaks your own show, right? Like right. Yeah. again, we don't need to relitigate Fena, but that's what we were talking about with that show, right? Of like, it overreached and as a result, like lost. You know, he gambled and lost everything in the process, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like... I, I think the thing I would say with Tact is that I'm enjoying it a great deal, but I find it a hard show to love. Yeah, um, and I think yeah, I, yeah, this is fine. right. I, I this is fine. not going to be our yeah. our number one anime. Right, right. going on nobody's sure. list, you know. But <laughs> it could just be cool, you know. I mean, just be fun times. Like yeah. I think Tactobus Destiny is actually doing something really smart. Of like, it is clearly, uh, it. <sighs> I don't know how about the production. You know, I know that this is a Madhouse Mappa collaboration. There's so there's some weirdness going on there. But like, I feel like, in a lot of ways, this is a weirdly well paced show in the sense of yes, it knows that its big set pieces are need to be very flashy and expensive, and that they need to look very cool. You know, they need to be very shiny. They need uh-huh. to just wow the viewer because you know, you're not here for much else but the spectacle, right? And mm-hmm. so. It has those episodes where no fights happen or very few fights happen, and it leverages its characters who are like just barely likable enough that you can <laughs> go, yeah, okay, I'll watch an episode of them like going around doing 
like Yakuza jobs or whatever yeah. side quest odd jobs for an episode. Right. <laughs> I'll listen to this fucking American sheriff talking about dog piss and cold pork chops, uh, <laughs> saying, "Oh Jesus, yeah, oh, I, I, Jesus. <laughs> yeah." No, I I think that's a good point. That in again comparing to those other shows, the pacing of the plot and the character development. And it's not like these are deep characters or anything, but oh, they're no. like we're making progress, right? I yes. feel like we're going somewhere, um, and it's it's consistent as we move along mm-hmm. instead of whatever crazy things the other shows are trying to do. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm just waiting to get to Sonic yeah, on, like- but um, but yeah, I mean, I that makes you know the if the big highlight is the big you know flashy fights that kind of are like the big climaxes of each little arc here mm-hmm. um it makes everything in between watchable which is totally. really all you yeah. can ask for yeah. <laughs> I mean, even even you know even you know again we have set we have set an unbelievably low bar for tact opus but it has you know largely cleared them even in the character areas right where like you know the most recent episode is about like tact and anna finally recognizing uh destiny's personhood right to like let go of the fact that she is not Cosette anymore, right? She is, mm-hmm. or mm. pr- probably not that person. Will never be that person again, right? And that they need to live with the reality of what? Like you didn't think it was well handled? I no, no, I thought... no. I just think Cosette is coming back. I think at most she'll come back into some kind of vision or ghost to say goodbye forever. Get the goodbye. Yeah, sure, mm. maybe that. Or like... or I could see like. She's actually both of them or something, but could, Maybe. Th- but but does, destiny but, is in the mobile game. I was going to say I didn't want to yeah. spoil anything, but I've read about the text mobile game, and destiny is a primary character in that. Yeah, oh, destiny's yeah. not going away. Yeah. She's not going away. I just think Kazette is coming back. I don't. I don't think. I don't think she's. I mean, not not in like, like a full on like, like as a as a full on character like coming yeah. back. No, no, life, no. I think I it mean, is a lost moments of the last. Oh yeah, episode, of course. Yeah, yeah. They'll they'll do the thing of like tact is like. Like in a coma, or like got he blasted sees an angelic or vision of Cosette. And he, yes, and gets yes. to no, say no, no. I mean, she actually comes back to life. Um, I know. I'm, I'm betting against I mean, that one. Mm, I think. Okay. I, think, we'll I, think I think she will give up the last dregs of her personality. Right. How much? How much we put down up. on this one? <laughs> <laughs> this I mean, one, I'm long, less confident on. Long, I will long say. story short, though, is that the whole arc of the last episode was, you know, again, maybe she does come back, but the point of that episode was. Tact right. and Anna learning to let go, and right. hey, it, it pulled it off. It did it in a way that I was like, okay, like sure. More than <laughs> you nailed it. Totally fine. You nailed yeah, it. It was, it was, it was, it was believable and not yeah. unnecessarily melodramatic. I, I, I just can't and... really get over my dislike of Tact himself. Like, yeah, he, I mean, I feel like the reason a, like, Tact works for me a little bit is like they make it very clear that. You know, he is one of those characters of he has an insufferable genius, but thankfully that means he is like extremely incompetent at everything unrelated to his one they, area they, of specialization. They, they regularly put him in his place, which makes him tolerable. Right. Um, but I don't think anybody loves Tact. No, like, no, definitely not. Yeah. But there's <laughs> nothing to grasp onto, you know. He, he's, he's more of a stereotype than a character, and, like, perhaps this is just the way I consume media, but that makes it very hard for me to, to like, fully... I mean, grab hold of the story. It's not like he's sure. the guy from uh, Sunny Boy or whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah he's not yeah. that bad at least. Um, <laughs> you know, hell, even. Sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, I, no, I was just gonna say, like, I, like I agree, like, like nobody loves Tact. I would put him at tolerable as best, but like 
I don't hate him as much as we could. Like, yeah. like they, they managed to keep him in <laughs> right, check. But what sort of bar enough. is that? Like, a low one. Well, that's, well, that's a low bar for a show that you're watching because, that wow, is, cool that laser. Is, that is on par with my expectations for this show, I would say. Like, I'm sure. watching this show I, I just... because there's a fight between two girls. One is a crazy-faced, problematic waifu named Hell who can kick mountains in half with her rollerblade feet. And she has been... she has be, and, and the person who is putting up a good fight against her, her power is shotgun. And... <laughs> Right. And it's like, again, we're not saying it's an anime of the year or anything. No. We're saying yeah, it's yeah, a fun yeah. show and it is accomplishing its goal of being Popcorn. a fun... Like, I will say, just like real quick shout outs to uh, the end of the latest episode where I was like, oh man, this is it for hell. Say goodbye to uh-huh. our problematic waifu. But instead, they pull the move of, actually, no, Schindler. God, again, the villain. Felix Schindler. <laughs> Schindler, you're out. Go get fucked. And Hell's like, I, I have no loyalty to him. I just want to get paid to kill people. So. And then the uh, the other the other music art for the for the Grand Maestro is named Heaven. Of yes, course. yes, of, of course. course, yes. Uh, Hell and Heaven. Yeah. Oh That's... man! Also, we're playing the fucking Beethoven shit in the middle of that fight, and she's like fucking slinging her fucking rollerblade feet, and it goes da 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 da. Oh man, it's, it's really it's, dumb. Show's all right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There, there's something about it where, like, I just. I cannot embrace the stupidity enough, and and I think that's a problem with me, not the show. I think the show is perfectly good. It, it's just, you know, com- compared to some of the stuff on this list, I'm just not very invested in it. Oh, I'm not I, invested in yeah. it at all. Like any of us are, are <laughs> just let it wash over us. No, just uh, yeah. <laughs> there, there are parts of it that are fun, and we're enjoying it. But yeah, this is not like. There are many better shows on this list for sure. Right, I yeah, get the only, that. But the only I, thing I this think, shows might... I, I think you can be stupid enough to be genuinely engaging and fun, you know. And I don't think this is either serious enough to be that or stupid enough to be that. You know, it's kind of in a no man's land for me. That's yeah, fair. I could, I could see that. I mean, I don't know. I, it's I, think, cool I think fights in this anime. Yeah, yeah I, no, I, absolutely. For for me, I think it's a, I think it's a good it's a good good enough balance. Sure, like everything, just... everything is in a, a good balance and, that they know, have hey, going. Here, to and... cover our bases, hmm. there's always a chance that this thing decides to get stupid in the last three episodes. <laughs> oh in a yeah, bad absolutely. Way. There's always a chance that Tack is there talking to Ghost Cazette, and Ghost <clears throat> Cazette is like, "Tack, you have to decide whether to reboot humanity <laughs> or oh, yeah. uh, lose your Tack, I'm the primordial virgin. Uh, exactly, exactly. There's um, always a chance. We'll say, like, Tack, have you heard about Nietzsche? <laughs> I, I, I'm just I'm just waiting for the episode where they have to get all the cameos of the other gotcha girls oh, in. Yeah, oh, yeah. Of course, yes. oh yeah, like, that's a good like one. like we already had the the one uh, like random girl yeah. that yeah, was like yeah. the night girl, the Valkyrie or whatever that just yeah. showed up and has not appeared again. Like I'm wondering if they're, like in the last episode, all the like, other ones the, will show up. Right? Yeah, like like they're gonna they're gonna be like down on their you know their last legs, that, um, fighting the boss, and then like a hundred like weird like bright colorful anime girls of various <laughs> shapes that, and sizes. That actually and reminds me. Um, shows up. It, rem- it reminds me of the first episode of Assault Lily Bokai, if you remember that show, where there's just a sure wide don't. shot that sh- there's a oh wide boy. shot that shows like five thousand characters, and I'm like, oh, every single one of these people is a gacha character. Yeah. You know? So I'm kind of waiting for that to happen at some point. Yeah. Um, also, the uh, the fights totally are just, okay with it. The fights are intact. Are just making me realize that there will never be another fate show that I care about. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, you keep it. saying this, I but keep saying it. El Meloy the Second season two any day now. No, yeah, no, that I, I also... just announced that that director is working on something else. So oh. I, I also keep reminding him that eventually there will be a UFO table version of the fight route. Yes, you know, I'll keep I, saying I, that will happen someday. It. I don't know when, but it'll happen someday. Anyway, all right. Let's keep moving. Um, yeah, if you want to talk about shows that are actually bad, now oof. we can get started. Oh, boy. Right. So what uh, what happened with Kyokai Senki? Main warrior on the borderline. Kyokai Senki is just like legitimately the most boring mech yeah, anime so I've ever boring. watched in my life. Okay, I don't so... hate watch it. I don't dislike it. I don't. It doesn't evoke that like Gundam Seed-esque like primordial response in me. It's just... It, it, it inspires nothing but apathy. It is just... Okay, so... So just to avoid covering previously covered ground here, did anything happen differently that made it worse, or you were just—is it just kind just... of like the accumulation of? It's just—it's just—it continues to be like a deeply like toothless but also confused show. Did, did they so... throw any uh, slip in any more racism or anything? Uh... <sighs> okay, so the two episodes that we watched. One of them is maybe the closest I've come to liking an episode of Kyokai Senki, okay. in which it switches viewpoints, and we switch to the POV of Captain Brad of the like North American Coalition or whatever. That is yeah. one of the factions that uh, uh, owns Japan, right? Mm-hmm. And Captain Brad is portrayed as like. The good foreign oppressor, basically. Like, he he respects the culture of Japan and believes that they should be allowed to, like, regain their political independence someday. And that, you Uh know, uh we're just working within a system that is doing its best to do our best by this country that has gone through hard times. And that I, Captain Brad, as an American, believe Uh that, uh, um, you know, I'm just doing this for, for the good of the people and the best interests of my nation, right? And... So the mission, the episode is about him forming his team of like his sort of suicide squad team of pilots to hunt down uh, the the mysterious black mech that has no known like national affiliation. Right, uh, the, the that rogue is, that's been attest attacking everybody indiscriminately. Yeah, being piloted by what it seems to be implied a rogue AI, and the thing that immediately like tries they try to set like set Captain Brad apart from like other you know nations and other like pilots is that uh he pilots in the cockpit Mm. uh and this is a setting in which everybody pilots these mechs as like remote drones and everybody in his squad uh uses a cockpit piloting system manned unit yes manned units the implication being that like that helps eliminate the like milliseconds of lag and you know allows them to you know perform Uh you know better than the uh, you know the 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 remote manned units you know and so it's an it's an episode about four or five mass production grunt units uh, using squ- squ- small squad tactics. Oh, and, big, and, big surprise! And fl- you liked this one, flanking <laughs> maneuvers to to draw out and uh, score a tactical victory on a vastly superior uh, enemy unit. And uh, it's not bad. Like so I, it's it's like a written for you episode. Of, yeah, uh, yeah, it was yeah. like. It was an episode like Rin for me, and like I, you know, there are aspects of it I liked. Uh, you know, like there are parts where, like, yeah, they're like using like, you know, 
like suppressive fire to like you know like pin it down in a location so that other units can like move to its flank and you know they have air support like literally this is maybe the first mecha i've seen in years that even acknowledges the concept of like non-mecha military support right they just have like and, ch- choppers and stuff shooting at it right like right. and you know it's fine but also that the weird thing is i don't even like this episode I, you know this episode should be the thing written for me, and I do like aspects of it, but it does make me realize that, like, also, like, you can do all this cool robot stuff, but if I don't care about the characters or the stakes at all, it's... Right. I mean, these are just, characters you've, like, just met this episode, right? Yeah, like, it's, yeah. It's, it's just a light show, you know? It's just a... It sounds <clears throat> to me, G, that, like, you need a mech show that's really all about the characters. Well, well okay, let's then. talk yeah, about the next the episode, episode of Kyoko uh, <laughs> The worst of the two episodes, oh, yes. that is, hey, guess what? About the characters. Yes, so this episode is all about how the, uh, the Rebellion... We don't just get into robots and fight the militaries. We also provide humanitarian aid. So they just go to some old Japanese village that's had its water and power cut off. And they're running out of supplies. And spend the whole episode rebuilding the town. And fixing the infrastructure. Constructing wells and power stuff. And and let's repair this old kiln for that traditional Japanese handicraft ceramics. Oh, yes. Make Japan great again is there is some real like theme, it is right? it, it, there it, there is some truly like how do I describe this energy like back fucking, to tradi- back to tradition not even just that but like boomer some... PSA for the kids energy in this episode Remember, like look you know, how great introduce... it is. look how wonderful and uh, nice it is out in the sticks kids. Right, like there's, you know, there's a there's a moody teenager. Oh my god, in the that's right. Ah! Who doesn't want to help out. He doesn't want to chip in oh my god, and you know, repair right. the village. So he's rather... like, uh, put your phone down and go outside. Uh... No, he is literally on his phone. Where they say, hey, kid, <laughs> put that phone down and put in some real work. <laughs> right. But no, and no, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better and worse. Here, up, go. All right. They're because they're, they're fixing up the thing. This kid's on his phone. Like, I can't put your phone in some real work. Start putting plaster on this, uh, on this wall. And all right, fine. Starts putting plaster on this wall. Come back later, and he's like, "Wow, I love putting plaster on walls. I used to do this in esports. I'm so good at putting plaster on walls because I did the, I did this in esports. What was he putting the plaster what? on? It's so what? much. It, <laughs> I'm so I'm used to doing it with the controller, but." Wow, it feels so much better doing it with my bare hands what was to put the plaster on the what? walls. So this is where I get, I am convinced <laughs> oh, I, like, is it like PSA energy, because it sounds like the writer doesn't actually know what esports are, and just knows that is something that's hip with the kids. And so <laughs> is it possibly a translation ever? No! I, I'm not sure, because they say it I'm trying to think, like, maybe like in Fortnite, kid, how you build stuff like, or something. Right, like, so the closest I could come up is, oh, maybe they're talking about, like, building stuff in Fortnite. But, that's, like, because that's the only thing I can think of. Fortnite's you know, not big in uh, Japan, though. Like, well, I mean, maybe it's, I mean, I, that's, what, that's what I mean when I say, like, this feels like some real boomer, like, what do the kids like? Oh, the esports, okay. The kid in this will, have, will drop a line about how he used to do plaster work in esports or something. And uh, it feels so much better to do it by hand instead of a controller. And it's oh just my like, God. has this writer ever actually played a video game? Oh. Like, <laughs> it's so bad. It's wow, so it's bad. Comical. It's so bad. And um, yeah. Also, they introduce so Zig, girl, you, you right? might appreciate they introduce their Anaheim Electronics equivalent. 
Hmm. Uh, it turns out that Yadagarasu, the Japanese independent organization, stop me you've heard this one before, is being independently funded by a third-party weapons manufacturer what? that uh, <laughs> believes that a, a continued war between the Japanese independence groups and their colonizers is good for business. Now, what a twist. remind me, wasn't, wasn't this show specifically designed to be a mecha show that wasn't just a Gundam show? Like... <laughs> I, I got nothing for you, man. I really don't. <laughs> uh, and the dude's name, get this, he's European. So his name, German Gorbin. Is he German? That's that's so. the first thing you've said that makes me interested in this show. Like, <laughs> having a guy called German Gorbin is pretty good. Especially I won't German. lie, I was like, alright, that's kind of a Tomino name. Yeah, that's, that's getting into that territory yeah, just for like, sure. It's a solid 20 minutes of them fixing up this town and like pretty much looking directly at the camera and saying wouldn't you also like to live in a quaint little village like this and then there's also isn't like, it so nice know, and and like and, and again this is what i said what i mean it's confused because this is the same episode where like there's a lot of like haha goofy antics with the ais because they're like cute mascots and so they're right. making a lot of goofy exaggerated faces and also we are introducing our anaheim electronics equivalent who in this episode is almost like unquestionably portrayed as good which is insane to me but <laughs> like i assume they will be portrayed more shadily down the line uh, yeah and it's just hmm. it's such a deeply confused show like i can't like it's for kids but also it's trying to like you know communicate this like return to traditionalism theme you know it's trying to like oh maybe that's tackle. what they're trying to get to the kids mm. yeah and it's just like well, kids love sports. Like fails at every like plot element it tries to like communicate, and even the ones it does try to communicate feel toothless. It feels like there's no bite to them. There's no substance to the messages it's actually communicating. Yeah. All right. We we need to keep moving, but uh, you know, the plan was you guys to drop Kyokai Senki. Hmm. And then wa start watching eighty six eighty six, but apparently you're not dropping Kyokai Senki. No, because uh, <laughs> if, if you've been listening to this podcast for long enough, you know the one thing we are are gluttons for punishment. Yes. So, so because Kyokai Senki is so bad, uh -huh. Hiro and I decided to get back on eighty six to watch season two. Uh huh. Um, eighty six. In in the season where I've been watching Kyokai Senki. Uh -huh. 86 is like finding the worst bottle of whiskey in a desert wasteland and going, oh, thank goodness, some liquid. Oh, my goodness. It's been so long. You found an opened plastic bottle of wild turkey out in the desert somewhere. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and that's what it feels like. Because here's the thing 86 does. <laughs> It gives me the morsel of <laughs> geopolitics and 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 and, and, and uh, that, that I so desperately need from my 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 real robot anime. Uh. It, it is the anime that ha that drops like one line alluding to the technological situation of the nation <laughs> and how that ties into their current military and geopolitical situation. And I'm like, mmm, yum, 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 yum. I, I wipe it all up. It's delicious. Uh, yeah, because Kyokai Senki's got none crumbs, of it. Throwing crumbs at your feet. And yeah. just, uh, oh, thank eating you, them off the ground. Hum, hum, hum. Yes. Just, Lisa, can I have some more? I, 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 I am... I am the animal who, who finds the box propped up with a stick 
and instead of a plate of crumbs, it's a plate that with that with the words geopolitics written on it. And I'm like, oh, I gotta get me some of that. So, uh, all right. So what? So what has changed in season two? Season since one the last time? had a pseudo cliffhanger ending. It seemed like the final remaining members of the '86 squad were going on their suicide mission. And would, would die forever, and Lena would continue fighting the good fight on her end. Uh, it turns out that they uh, the the surviving 86ers survived and were found by a different nation who rescued them and took them mm. took them in as like okay. shit. We found some people uh, from from not here. Well, you're, right, you're the first the foreigners we've had since the AI hordes. <laughs> And here's the here's the great part. And yeah, this is why I hate that I admit that this is fucking catnip to me. But this is the explanation. The nation that finds it discovers them is the post is the post coup d'état or, or. is the geopolitical entity that created the AI legions. But it is not the same government. It is a new government that. Yes, launched a coup d'état and overthrew the old government that had created the AI legions. And this new government, A, has a widespread ban on artificial intelligence, but B, is tasked and it must fighting live a war, with, like... with fighting a war that is a consequence of their former regime. Okay. And... This all sounds satisfyingly complex, to be honest. Right? right? And so, so imagine me so, so coming we're not... out of Kyokai Senki, and these people are like breaking down like the, the geopolitical and national situation that is going on in this fictional military <laughs> sci-fi work, and I'm just like, ooh, yes, give me more. Yes, think of the number it. of stories we I've... could tell. Yes, this is what I've been looking so, for this whole time. Where does it go wrong? <laughs> It hasn't gone, it hasn't gone wrong yet. Okay. Wait, yes. what? Other, other than they they introduce okay. a, a there is... little anime girl. So so, <laughs> pros of season two, no Lena. We haven't we've right. seen Lena. We've for, seen her like twice. We've seen Lena for about all of five minutes. She is leading a new squad of eighty sixers led by uh, um, uh-huh. a a very attractive short haired tomboy. Um, I will say okay. maybe... I will say to the credit of Lena's brief appearance so far is that. She seems to actually have undergone some character development because she's characterized yes. as being like hard, hard headed, and like shitty to her bosses, and it's sort of like I don't care anymore. <laughs> I don't care anymore right. about right. my position. I will bullheadedly browbeat anyone I can into getting whatever I need to tr- yes, try and like save as many lives as I can. It's a much better version of the character. She is now the okay. person who has been... She she is now the character who has been at the office for so long she realizes that none of it matters. Uh-huh. And so, why should she even play their game anymore? And she apparently has right. the job security to do that or doesn't yes. care. Yeah, so, right. wait, is this a crossover with Aquatope? Because I'm getting the same vibes here. Well, it's yeah. like, Anyways, like season one had this like whole multi thing, like, oh no, I need to get yeah. approval for the uh, howitzer and whatever. And now she's just like, give me the howitzers. Yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> or else, fuck off. Just, yeah, and they're just like you can't. But, but have she's not even really in the show. And at she's this like, point. no, too bad. Yeah. So that's we we only see little bits and pieces of her. Uh, so that's one of the pros of this season, I guess. Not uh-huh. a lot of Lita. Um, in return for Lena's absence, we are given a new. A female character to join the crew of the 86ers. And it's a precocious little girl. Of course. Uh, uh-huh. Who uh, literally is doing some, like, 
she's putting on the voice, like, the, the Japanese equivalent of the, like, you know, please, big brother kind of voice, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. and I think they are leaning into that she is shitty and annoying and that they most are... people don't like her. Yeah. But well, also, it... she is still doing the thing that's not, that's annoying and people don't like. Right. So... Okay, but could they do the thing mm. where, like, the next episode reveals she actually drinks and smokes and swears like so a sailor? So they they're, Im- they're implying, they've implied that because the, they all talk with when in battle with the like psychic link implants or whatever right. and they've implied that the tech the tech of the psychic link implants was derived from her bloodline psychic powers or something and mm. so i know <laughs> yes you heard that correctly 86 it's introducing new types yep. and uh so it's implied that despite her young precocious age that she's some kind of psychic memory of older members of her family Yes, hmm. because she specifically says that she ordered the creation of the AI legions ten years ago, despite the fact that she looks like an eight-year-old girl. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, okay. So, eighty-six is good now. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's like, interesting. for example, it again, sounds like, like they've got a lot to work with. I mean, compared to Chokai Senki, <laughs> it's an ocean. I mean, eighty-six um, has always had a lot to work with. It was right, just how but they were kind of. Right. Yeah. They, right. It's like the kind of equivalent of the episode of Kokosinki we're just dunking on is that there's a whole episode of 86 uh, where because they just got rescued by this nation and then they're like, well, you're uh, we all, you're civilians now. Just go back to have have some normal lives. You've been fighting right. and, for so long. Just enjoy your normal lives. And so and there's definitely an element of like. There is a, there's an undeniable element of altruism to rescuing the 86ers and trying to give them normal lives, but there is this constant undercurrent of, well, it's also good PR. Like, right. here we are rescuing these poor refugees from that bad nation over the there. The bad republic. And look how well we're treating them. Uh-huh. You know? Right. Yes. But, uh, well, of course, they are, they are PTSD-stricken teens, military teens, and say... Let us go back onto the battlefield. Hmm. Put us in tanks again. <laughs> yeah, basically they've realized that trying to live a normal life is fundamentally incompatible with the experiences they've lived through. That they will never be normal again. Like, I mean, they, they were all only basically ever... raised from birth to yes, pilot, yes. right? So, and yeah. so they return back to piloting and. There's some interest again. The part of like, oh man, this is why I'm lapping this shit up is like, so we get to see the robot tanks from the new nation, and right. they're kind of shit. Like, they're slow, and they need two people to pilot them, and they're like, kind of garbage, even compared to the already garbage mechs that the 86ers piloted. But yeah. the thing you then realize the reason why they're so fucking shit <laughs> is because they're built. With the intention of preserving the welfare of their pilots. Right. And not mm-hmm. just maximizing performance with zero yeah, care for I, I can, the person I can see inside. Why, I can see why you're eating this up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's yeah. delicious. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh, yum, yum, yum. Yes, yes exactly. Right. Wow, there's really... a <laughs> I'm glad that that seemed to at least not be as bad as it was or however you want to characterize that but uh it sounds much more interesting now oh totally yeah and so there may be the secret of why we're still watching kyokai senki 
is because as long as Kyokai Seki continues to exist to be the bad it can example, be, it can be the spice <laughs> upon which. <laughs> 86, it's just gonna yeah. eighty six is just gonna look much better by comparison. Yeah. Exactly, eighty six oh, will just man. constantly look better in hey, comparison. Whatever you got to tell yourself, <laughs> man. Well, whatever I'm, I'm sure they're yourself. eating it up in China at least. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we we need we really need to keep moving. Yeah, I know. I um, know. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's talk about ranking oh, things. Oh man, so, which is fucking I can't even space, huh? Oh, it's yeah, Zig, you you need great. to watch this because this is like now that Hey K is over, I would say this is the number one show of the season. This I, is the one yeah. of the season. Yeah, e- even even I've with Hey K running, like, you could probably make a case. Like, there's so much good stuff going on here. Um, so with these episodes, uh, Bochi goes to hell, mm-hmm. or the gate of hell, if you will. Yeah. Uh, we meet the king of the underworld, who's kind of a dick but not as bad as you might expect him to be the which number is two ranked I, king how yeah, i would characterize king, uh... many of the characters in the show <laughs> um and Despo, uh desha desha oh yeah don't get them Despo confused that was very important to the, the plot prince. don't get don't <clears throat> get the, the <laughs> king <laughs> and his brother confused even yeah, though they, they, they don't like names. that uh he does not like that um, and he kind of uh, gent- gently, by King of the Underworld standards, tosses Bochi out, and uh, he goes and starts training with his brother. And um, man, we we get left on. See, it's been so long that I've had a show where I really don't know what's going to happen. Next. <laughs> And it's the kind of show where, because of the of the, the the things it establishes about its setting and its characters, makes certain things like fucking mind blowing to see, right? Yeah. Like just straight up, how did Boji split that rock? Yes, like the, that <laughs> that cliffhanger they leave you on, where they they don't. So so Boji goes to train with with the king's, uh, strangely handsome other brother, <laughs> and. You know, it's the same problem where Boji has no offensive ability whatsoever, and mm-hmm. they just mysteriously he chooses a weapon in the armory, yes. and we are not told what this weapon is or shown anything. Uh, he's found uh, a weapon given, that suits him, there. and we're just given like one little hint of uh, you know the apparent destructive power that he has now, uh-huh. and and it's great because not just because you're left guessing. But I feel like there's still like this really creeping, sinister feel to it. Like, what? Oh, totally. What did he have yeah. to do to to, <laughs> to get that power? Cast from HP. At the same, or... Like at the same time, it's like they showed Boji making this choice, so it's not sort of like he he got tricked into it per se, right. or maybe he did. I don't know. I think the and... thing Reggie of Kings does really cool is that like. It feels like a really great fantasy in the sense that it is full of this abundant sense of wonder, but yes. also mm-hmm. this sort of underlying sinister undercurrent through all of it. Right. Like, where magic is wondrous and its potentials are endless, but also magic <laughs> is wonderful and its its potentials are endless. And <laughs> yeah, and there are people who have, are using it for you know nefarious means some real ratchet shit as we um, find out at the end of uh, the latest episode yeah and then uh, you know we have the the parallel we kind of come back to uh you know we knew um what's the kid's name dida dida, dida. yeah we knew he was gonna have to drink the stuff at some point so yes i i just did not 
but not quite go the way we were expecting. <laughs> did I any don't of think. us expect what was going to happen when he drank that potion? No, I think we, um, all, I think we all assumed it was going to be some like ah, imbuing the blood of kings will give you the strength right, of kings. Yeah, thing. yeah. Not a um, fuck. I sorry, Zig, but no, go for that it, please. Eating the king's flesh would. Make a... the king's soul inhabit your body now. Like, yeah, like right. it ends with him saying, "Well, I sure. guess I've killed another son or something." Yeah, and right. Like, like what? A single line communicates <laughs> so volumes, right? Like not just. Not only has he done this, this is not the first time he's done this. Is, this. Yes. Well, we talked about last time how like there was this ritual that was in place. Like they were yes. prepared for this. Like this is not the first time right. they've done it, right? Hey, and we a, were just kind of throwing tradition of, but like evil body hopping by doing yes crazy shit and like, like we kind of threw that away as like isn't that funny how you know they had this whole thing set uh, they set had the up. whole king blender ready and it's to like go. no there's right. a reason why <laughs> apparently uh this is not the first oh, time they've man. done this and but uh all of that backstory show that they, is, like, yeah, this show's just great at implying a lot with very little that yes. it's the it's a great show don't tell uh mm-hmm type of story and, and but you never feel like it's not being like too coy yeah like you don't feel like you don't feel like you don't know what's going on right it's not like they're constantly trying to like reach for something to grasp onto in fact the show is very good at giving you like plenty of tangible plot points to like hold right. on to right mm-hmm. like they know, just don't like info dump a lot yeah it's it's a lot of you know giving you that one line that your 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 brain can fill in the rest. Yeah. yeah, and and they string along just enough like legitimate, unironic fist pumping spectacle, like that, like that. Whenever it does come up, it's always super impressive and like legitimately like exciting. Like the moment that King Waluigi says that he's the number two ranked <laughs> king, uh-huh. I immediately go. Oh man, when he fucking like throws down for real, especially <laughs> considering who's animating this series, right. it's gonna be the fucking craziest shit you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, um, great. Shout uh, out to that to that tweet I shared also. with you guys about the uh, comparing this to Mob Psycho 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. where it's like, I, I I I knew the person. I didn't know them directly, so I don't. I apologies to them, I guess. But the the, the general idea was the. You know, if you like Mob Psycho 100 for, you know, a good boy doing his best, you should watch Ranking of Kings. But if you also like Mob Psycho for being the best animated thing in the last 10 years, you should also watch Ranking of Kings. <laughs> Sounds like uh, a shout outs to, to me. Uh, Shoutouts to what will obviously be the header for this podcast of uh, hmm. when Prince Despa and oh, yeah. uh, Kage eat the food. Yes. Oh, what yes. great. You have the triple take of their faces. <laughs> yeah. Great I stuff. Think I did, really good. I think I did grab that. Um, like just, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> such a good face. They had animated three times. Yeah, great animation, even in the like non-action bits. Right, right. right. The show yeah, just the, looks the great. Cartoony bits. Yeah, it's it looks yeah. so good. This is another one where explaining it on a podcast does not do it justice. It doesn't you really work. like yeah. it. You really need to watch to it. Yeah, uh, but just the the. The great animation, like the the sense of wonder and like foreboding with whatever whatever. There's such there's there's it implies there's such big magical things going on in the that we don't understand, and you really want to know more about it. And on top of that, <laughs> you get the fantastic characters that are that have like depth to them. Oh, totally. And you know nobody is a hundred percent good or evil. <laughs> right. Like everybody's got different levels to them. Um. It's just so good. Like, 
yeah, I mean, it, this to me, it's uh, to me, this is the best thing running this season. I mean, you you could debate that or hate his story, but yeah, it, it's it's really good. Great stuff. <sighs> I just now I just want to know how Boji split that rock. Yeah. Uh, okay, so is this the part where I mean, are we gonna speculate? Do we take bets on what the weapon is? I have no clue, but if you have a, if you want to throw something I'm, out there, I'm gonna make the bet. It's like some kind of like maybe it's just because it's a rock, but I was thinking it's just some kind of like stake or like blood like pile a, bunker or like, not a, not necessarily a pile bunker. I'm not. I don't. I don't think Boji could handle that. But like, yeah, some kind of like hole puncturing. Like I don't know, like a, maybe a rapier, some kind of like pointy stabby thing, right? Like yeah, that leads there... into like Boji because the thing it... that. Is like, there any possibility? Oh, sorry. Go, no, go ahead, Chico. I was just saying because the thing they established early on is that like Boji doesn't even have one strength to use video game terms. Yeah, he, he has zero strength. He has like yeah. So right. they they explicitly show him try to pick up like a little hatchet and he can barely like he lift can't it even off lift the ground. A hatchet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but so it has to very... be something that requires no physical strength whatsoever. But he's a kid with a lot of finesse, right? Like there's yeah. that scene where he's like dodging the birds. Uh, what is the iconic really... finesse weapon of the rapier? Right, well, exactly. Yeah, so I, don't, like, I don't. I don't know if this is like D and D, where if you have a high deck score, you can use your. Uh, <laughs> so I, your rapier, I have no but... context for this discussion whatsoever, but I have seen some anime. Is there any chance at all that the weapon is a person? I did briefly say, "Oh, did he not pick a weapon? It is the weapon he chose his bare hands." <laughs> but I'm like, no, that's that's probably so not. They do you. show I... him pointing to something up on the wall, right? Like, so it it appears it was something that he picked in the armory, mm. but what that is, who knows? Okay, my and second then... guess: frisbee. <laughs> like, a disc, like a discus, like a disc, disc weapon. Like a disc I, no, I like have a, a feeling. Whatever it is, I no, have a feeling. But it is... what if it was like? Wait, hold on a second. What if it was like razor wire? Like a, like a, <laughs> like a fiber wire, wire like fiber wire, oh, like maybe. with the fiber wire, like straight up some fucking cyberpunk shit, right? Like because he like can move around real fast yeah. too. You should yeah. really take the lockpick instead of the fiber wire. It's way more <laughs> um, I don't know. Whatever it is, I, I'm sure it's going to not be a traditional weapon. I, I, it's going to yeah. be something weird. Maybe like the wire might be in the right direction. I don't know, <laughs> but it, it, yeah, I, like a whip I, sword. Like the, like the Indian whip sword or oh, something. Right? Yeah, I was th- I was thinking some kind of whip or something maybe, uh. but I don't know. I just like a collapsing sword, like uh, yeah. Ivy from Soul Calibur or something. I just had um, to get that out there for pro- for posterity. Okay, we'll find out by by yeah. next week. So I I, I just have a feeling it's going to be so far off because that's how the show has been so far. It's oh, going to yeah. be so far off of whatever we're thinking, and then we're going to see it. And it's going to make total sense. So ah, I can't wait. Great show. Go watch that one, now, especially now that the story story's over. If you've already watched that and you haven't been watching Ranking of Kings, you know, Zig, I'm talking to you as well as anybody <laughs> else out there. Indeed. This this is the one to get on. I, so. I will say real quick, I am so grateful to find out that Ranking of Kings will be continuing into next year. Yeah, it's too core. So yes. that we don't have to worry about this one <laughs> the, in 2021. This, when, when we're doing our when we're doing our uh, top uh, anime, we can put this into the, we can shelve this until next year if we need to. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yes. Also, it means we get more ranking of kings. Yeah, that's um, true. All right, we're 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 running out of time here. Do you guys have anything new you want to add about Lupin Part Six? So, Lupin is quickly running into an issue that was an issue I had feared about Part 5 that is becoming a reality in Part 6. Yeah. Is that 
the anthology episodes are not that good, and they detract from the pacing of the main story. Ah, so we've hit yes. that point. Yeah. Like, yep. this is not a Lupin Part 5 situation of, oh, good, I can't wait for the anthology episodes because they're always kind of weird, interesting one-offs that get into the legacy of Lupin. No, instead, the anthology episodes in Part 6 are just, which, like, mystery writer will we just, like, shamelessly ape for the plotline <laughs> of this uh, anthology episode? And it's just not that interesting. Yeah. So this has just become, like, mystery writer fan fiction at this point? Kinda, Kinda, yeah. yeah. They actually got back to the main London plot in the most recent episode, Mm -hmm. and it was almost telling that it kind of, it was was the most solid episode we'd seen in a little bit, right? Like, we're getting back, they got back to the main plot, they Mm -hmm. got back to, like, you know, the rivalry between Holmes and Lupin, and, you know, it was not amazing, but, you know, it was solid, Lupin, you know. Totally okay stuff. What, uh, what is our percent... Chance looking for Columbo appearance. Is that, has that gone up or down? Uh, highly <laughs> unlikely, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <clears throat> uh, I mean, look, if they weren't even willing to like dish out the cash to license Herlock Sholmes, then at some point they're not going to oh, get Columbo, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. <sighs> All right. Um, unless you guys have anything else on that, I think we can keep it moving. Ah, um, we're good. Uh, Comey can't communicate this one too. I can just blow through real quick. Uh, for reference, I watched episodes six and seven. I believe eight is out right now, but may or may not be subbed. Um, this was the, um, the summer vacation episodes and everything that you expected to happen in a summer vacation arc happened. Um, I did kind of appreciate they stopped introducing new characters for these episodes to let the new ones kind of soak for a little bit. Or the current ones, I mean. So that was nice, but also they were doing like the most boilerplate, like anime romant- romantic comedy things. Uh-huh. Like, like they did the whole. Uh, there's it's raining and there's one only one umbrella oh. left after school. We have to walk home together. Oh. And look, uh, he's he's holding the umbrella over to my side and his shoulders getting wet. And this is a big dramatic wow, moment so that romantic. shows that he must really care about me. Um, and they play this completely straight with like. No, no irony whatsoever. No irony whatsoever. Um, it's not like, say, something with, you know, uh, literally any other anime comedy made in the past 10 years would make fun of this. Mm-hmm. And they, I, in, in some ways, it's almost a little charming that they don't make fun of it. But also, it's like, yeah, I've seen this a million times. Um, but it continues to be fine. And I do hope they do get to some new characters now that we've had the little break. Because I want to know what's up with... Um, there's one girl that keeps appearing in the background that's wearing like armor, like she's like in a night school. Armor, right? Yeah, she's she's like she's like in a regular schoolgirl outfit, but like her her left arm and her legs are covered in like night armor, like plate I've armor. I've seen a great deal of okay. speculation about this. Actually, uh, I want to know what her part. I want to know what her deal is, but also I think it would be funny if we just never know, and that's just mm-hmm. there's just a girl with armor in the background. But just let anyway. it be, yeah. So that show continues to be okay. I think my expectations, as I've mentioned last time, have gone down a bit to where it's now just kind of like an above average, very well animated romantic comedy, but I'm enjoying it, so it's fine. All right. Oh, baby. Let's wrap things up here talking about Sakugan. So 
I have not seen the latest of... episode, and so I have no idea what this oh. sort of looming doom that you're all alluding to is. Okay, so so we had it was it episode seven and eight. I want to say we're talking about so. here. Uh, yeah, it looks like it. So, so episode seven was the the the, 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 the flower drug. Yeah, so. They, I, I guess this was it's, kind of like the comedy road trip episode, right. where and it's basically one of... joke stretched to episode length. Yeah, like, they find some flower. There, there was I, the joke with like the the cactus being the th- that was actually pretty good. Like the cactus. I, so, <laughs> so some of the humor was pretty good. Yeah, in this there, there's there's a version of episode seven I think I would have really liked that. Maybe would have gotten a little old by the end, but like just the running bit of like them trying to cure mm-hmm. the flower high they're getting, and then getting more the high as yeah, they yeah. keep making it worse was pretty funny, right? To, to a certain degree, it needed but, a, it needed to be a little bit tighter, you know? Yeah, like it that definitely feels like it Go feels ahead. like a joke or like it feels like a bit that like I don't know. I hate to say, but I feel like like Trigger would have figured out the way to time that joke. To work better, but oh, like not that, stretching it out over twenty minutes. Yeah, that is like it, <laughs> it's like one incredible Treehouse of Horror segment, right? Like yeah, you sure, cram it yeah, into like actually. seven minutes or something. Right, right. Like it very much. Fe- yeah. Anyways, I don't know. And th- like, this show has demonstrated a pretty good sense of humor in spots for sure. Yeah, right. So I'll I mean, give him credit for that. Um, I talked about this last time. I continue to be frustrated with the lack of development with uh, every, all the characters yeah. and their relationships. Like we keep we keep landing on the exact same conflict every single episode. Right. Yes. And and that kind of sets up the train wreck that is because seven. I don't. I don't know if I would outright say seven was a bad episode, but it wasn't great either. It, like, it kind of feels like they're they're sort of running off the rails a little. Part of that's fun, but part of it also felt like ooh, you're 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 kind of scrabbling for time, huh? Yeah, it right. felt like, like a waste, like a filler or a waste of episode. I feel like the problems with, with episode seven and eight are actually kind of in concert with each other, and that is that. It wants to explore a very specific interpersonal conflict, and that conflict is, you know, Mementpu's, like, you know, almost naive, you know, uh, ambitions running into Gagumber's, like, you know, overprotective parenting, right? Right. Which like, has that been is the... the thing that's been running right. through the whole show that they keep and meeting over and over again. I think, I think the problem that happens with 7 and 8 is it clearly wants to explore a version of this conflict that is like, ah, like... You know, a parent's duty is to look over their kid, but also to know when to let them fly on their own, right? That's That seems to be the implication, right? That's right. why every character keeps telling Gagumber that he's the one who needs to apologize. But the problem as a viewer is that every single time Gagumber has been an overbearing parent has been shown to be, like, the objectively correct <laughs> right. decision, right? And, and also, like, like, the show so far has kind of been, like kind of spoken out of its mouth both ways about Gagumba in the sense that it wants to portray him as an overprotective parent but also like a lousy slacker who like bums off at right. the first opportunity. He's supposed right. to be overprotective but then in one thing he like literally just abandons his daughter to go get drunk right. and hit on women. And so we're not entirely <laughs> sure 
<laughs> and like my concern, and again, you know, you you tell me how this worked out in episode eight. My concern was that he was rapidly becoming unlikable because of it. Like he he still had like some element of like big doofus charm, but it was beginning to be frustrating how he just wasn't I learning think the any problem lessons. I'm actually running. I think the problem I'm actually running to is I think a Gumber is maybe the only sort of likable <laughs> character in this show. Like. I, I'm uh, just gonna th- to throw my opinion in. I don't like any of them, but let's like, well, yes. I, I feel like again because Gagumber's every time Gagumber like displays his overprotective, overbearing parenting, he's been shown to be correct, you know, about his takes. Because again, this is a dude who is implied to have had a long history of like doing this work out here in the field, and so he has a lot of experience. And right, it's so just like my my only thing I would add to that is you're correct. He's objectively making the correct decision where he's being a bad father is how he's communicating it to his daughter and i think that's where the the lesson is supposed to be here okay so right. like so he what doesn't exactly happens in like, this episode like he, that is so so, so okay so the i i forget if they start doing this in episode seven because i watch them back to back and they kind of blend together to me but we start seeing more of Mempu's like prophetic dream or whatever yeah we, that she we keeps having because because that's a fantastic direction to take this show i i um i, I need to be on record that i'm i am gonna say i'm 99 sure that she's dreaming of the past of when yes. she was found on the surface by gagumber and that yeah. it's not prophetic at all yeah so either way i, I having her have visions or dreams is not the direction i want the show to go but regardless mm-hmm. they start leaning more into that and she starts seeing um visions of gagumber basically dying yeah like we, ble- we got that right in episode seven. Like, we, need, we need to hurry up on our journey so, we can so she's like we need to truth. hurry up and go but nobody communicates so gagumber's just like shut about shut up about your stupid dream we're going to go rest somewhere and i think that's why the the conflict happens is because they don't talk right. about like what they're actually thinking or feeling, they're just butting heads right. against. I want to go, and you don't want to go. Right. Which, is, which is fine so, if we if we like end up learning something from it, right? right. Which they don't. Which is always the, right. the thing. Like so then we get to just keep saying, "Gumber, you need to apologize." Except they don't give any. They don't give like the reason. The, right. They don't. It's like don't like I, that was that was my interpretation right. of it, but it's never made explicit in the show that that's what the problem is. Is that they're mm-hmm. not like and listening. Fact, they just keep they just keep saying like, "You fucked up, Gagumber. It's all your right. fault. It feels weirdly incongruous because, like, you know, like, the reason why Gagumber says they should stop and go rest is because Yuri got the most high on the flowers, <laughs> right? And they wanted right. to make sure he got medical attention, right? And even him, the one who de- benefited directly the most from Gagumber's choice, is like, you know, Gagumber, you really fucked up. Like, yeah. what? Like, yeah, it, do- it doesn't... So... That that that's all annoying. <laughs> and then and then we get to the ridiculous. Twist oh baby. Oh yeah. So here we go. Gagumber's okay. old partner died a long yeah, yeah, time so ago. Yeah. So we, we, we kept got, seeing we his old partner now. died, yeah. and I think we saw that he, his old partner had a younger sibling. Uh-huh. And there and and in episode eight they go they they end up basically going back to what's implied to be his old hometown or something yeah. where. Well, They're like, oh yeah, you should go talk to them or whatever. When when do you guys say what happened? I don't even want to. <laughs> okay, so Rufus is shown to have a younger uh, a younger brother named Zach, right? That was always sort of the tag along kid, you know, as as Rufus and and Gagumber were on their marker adventures. Okay. Except, gasp! It's revealed that uh uh Zach 
was actually a younger sister who would go on to be called Zekletu. And she who, is if, out for blood. Who is the so, lady traveling yes. with them, if for the, anybody who is not following. But uh, yes. It's so, a real small world, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the reason she's been pursuing him this whole time, the reason she paid a million to Yuri to hack into the database to get information was because this has all been for her revenge against Gagumper for Wha- getting Rufus killed. Wait, is she trying to kill him? Yeah. yeah. Kind of? But they <laughs> had she shoots, she shoots a lot of bullets out up to this point. Like, yeah, so I mean, th- th- she, she sets up this like elaborate... She kidnaps Yeah, she kidnaps Mamempu and sets up this like elaborate... Sure, that's trap like trap bad guy shit. Like, and like, you could argue... This is all because all, you know, and then this is what they get to, and this is well, all she ever wanted was an apology from Gagumber. All she ever wanted was Gagumber to confront her right, to and tell her what yeah. happened. Because, you know, it's sort of implied that this was a real, like, moment of weakness for Gagumber. That after Rufus died, he just skipped town. He never, he never delivered the news. He never helped, you know, Zack mourn. Yeah. He just skipped town. Right. And which she which was is a alone. shitty, but. A shitty thing to do, but also, like, an understandable thing. We have seen character right. arcs built on this idea before. Definitely. And so the vibe is, oh, but all she ever wanted was just a damn apology. Just an explanation. Except, you know, it's framed as her, like, unloading, like, three, like, fucking AK-47s into Gagumber's general direction. <laughs> and, uh, she, like, throwing bl- grenades And blows him up, like, at least three times. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say, right. are they p- playing this for, like, goofy comedy? Or? No, no. No, this is, is 110% deadly serious. Yes. Uh, supposed to be, like, this dramatic, climactic character moment. Um, I mean, the very Probably first drawing time I... some parallels to... You know they're they're trying to they're trying to make this as like Gagumber's character flaw where he's running away from his right, problems, yes. starting with a small thing where he doesn't apologize to Mempu and then building to this big thing, and this is supposed to be his like sort of reckoning I guess with his sure. character flaw, yeah. and it's just so badly done. <laughs> I mean, like, like, yeah. the thing I can't get over is like when Zakuetu first met Gagumba, he was strapped to a chair. Like she could have killed him many, many yeah, times. No, nah, that wouldn't have point. been. That wouldn't have satisfied her her need for elaborate revenge. Apparently, yeah, and in the end, like, I mean, she can't. She can't even like really kill him in the end either. Of course, right. but but like the whole thing was just like. Totally and out like, of left feels, field, and, so, and and the thing that feels unsatisfying about it is that the cl- the conflict is resolved, but it doesn't really feel like anybody learned anything. Like, right, it's kind Mempu of a recurring pattern. Gets, like, like, like a Gumper saves Mempu, and she's crying, and they say sorry to each other, but they don't actually say sorry about what. They just say they're sorry, and they're crying, and they're hugging, and. and they still I, I don't communicate solved. with each other. Like, like a Gumper is... never actually like like. Like, 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 Gagumber never apologizes to Zekletu either, right? Like, you know, Gagumber, like, kind of alludes to, like, ah, I fucked up, but, like... Yeah, no, he like, never apologizes despite and, her right, and you need blowing that him up many times you need, over. And so, you like, need, like, the reconciliation. Right, and so then the group is all together again at the end of the episode, right? Like, Zekletu's about to skip town because she's ashamed of what she did, but then Mamampu and Gagumber, nope, you're still part of the crew, but it's like, you didn't earn this. <laughs> you yeah, didn't like, earn the, this moment. The thing is, like, like the, the show hasn't, like... My impression upon hearing this is that the show has just not had the dramatic weight 
so far it doesn't have it and like, it should never I, have tried yeah, yeah to carry yeah. out like horrible nasty revenge plot like it has like, never been that it is a big cartoon of a show yeah exactly like it, big tony its moral lessons is, must be big cartoons as tony well. hasn't shown up big tony is is a robot named big tony like that should be the tone of your show <laughs> yeah and and at the at the end of episode eight, we've we've accomplished nothing. Like we're yeah. still back to where we we have not, like, aside from physically moving but, deeper into whatever they're going to, we have not gone anywhere since episode one no, with it, these characters. It, it's even worse than that, which is we have accomplished nothing, but a bunch of stuff that should have been re- a really big deal has happened to get us to nowhere, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah, you like, have burnt a bunch of, like, character backstory and character development time to only, to like, to sort of fill time rather than actually meaningfully move your yeah. characters around. Oh, and then the the final bit we get, we learn what the Gale is. Oh, right. Oh, Gale yeah. Force Gagumber apparently has a superpower to move it to to get fucking witch time activated yes gagumber literally has witch time hi hi yeah can't come into comes out of nowhere like because let's attacks at the last second and it like time slows down for him and he's sworn not to use it anymore but to save remember he is it meant to be an actual superpower like no it's like implied to be like something implanted in his like spinal yeah he's some kind of like computer ai or something implanted in him or something that lets him do it seems like quite a hard turn as well which is also weird because like we don't have a really good like a step we don't really have like this has not been like an established thing about this setting like we know that they have like chips in them but that's it yeah, it's like, not really like, but big it just, on the cyberpunk stuff. Right, it just seems like they were like tracker chips in case you die out there. Like, right, not like oh, they also give you superpowers. <laughs> yeah. So and like, man, like I actually want to bring up something real quick, just because we were getting into like Gumber's non-apology or lack or, or uh-huh. the, the lack of the lack of any reconciliation is. Hey, y'all! Remember when? Megalobox 2 Nomad <laughs> is basically entirely entire, about a show long apology like yes it's just a sh- is a just a season long apology from Joe to the rest of the cast and how you can't just say sorry for things you've done that like you have to like demonstrably show through like material and tangible means that you are legitimately in good faith yeah. trying to make good for the mistakes of your and, past. I mean, something that that show also showed is that like accepting an apology can be like a tremendously difficult thing as well. You oh know? yeah, like, right. There's yeah. a huge amount of work involved, like to let go of your anger, to let go of your like need for revenge or retribution or whatever. You know, like and and, and, and like, I think that like. I feel like an issue that I've, I've run into with 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 uh, Sakugan. Apologies to keep piling on Big Tony here. Well, not Big Big Tony. Big Tony, you're good. Big Tony has done nothing wrong. <laughs> yes. Big Tony, you're good. I want to make this clear, Big Tony, you're good. This is not your fault. Um, <laughs> it's like there's like three plot points in Sakugan this show could have done, like, and one of those could have taken up an entire, like, 12-episode, like, season. It has tried to tackle, like, four of those equivalents and has given none of them the actual space they need to be developed into their own, like, fully salient mm-hmm. talking points. Oh, yeah, remember when uh, Yuri tried to overthrow the government? Uh, right, minutes? remember that happened? <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Uh, remember oh, that man. entire episode of Gagumba just being a huge cop and then, like, the end of the episode was, oh, you should have listened to Gagumba, huh? And, like, not made people's lives better. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way there. 
uh, when, yeah, when, when uh, Yuri did nothing wrong in that episode. I mean, again, that falls into the issue we talked about with Gagumper of, like, he feels like a confused character where, like, they, 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 re- they re- it's like the writers realize, oh, crap, we only have one adult who has been forced to inhabit every, like, adult trope in fiction, right? He has yeah, to be yeah, yeah, yeah. the overbear- overbearing parent, but it's he also has it. to be, like, the lecherous scumbag, but he also has to be the straight man in the room, the voice of reason. And also right? the, like, like, dark past mysterious stranger thing like like it's like oh god that's so much dialogue in episode eight is, is like the i only work alone this is why i don't have a team like uh, from gagumber and like oh god it, it's and it's just like this it's is just the same not character it's just bad that, writing like, that like, like gambled away all of his money like as a joke, three episodes right. ago as a joke right yeah. like it's it's just you bad gotta pick what kind of character writing. he is like it's bad you know, inconsistent is he, writing is he well-meaning comic relief or is he a responsible father figure? Like, like... This, this sounds like like a production team that has a lot of ideas and clearly has some considerable talent aboard because there have been great parts of this show. This sounds like a failure of project management, of, like, direction. Yeah, like, is somebody like, not really in charge here or something? I don't know. Yeah, like, but... it, it feels like they're pulling the story apart in all different directions and everybody has, like, a different idea of what they want the story to be. I... I need to fit in my joke about everybody getting high off these flowers. Can we fit this into episode seven somewhere? Okay, okay fine. We'll do getting high off of spores in episode seven, and we'll push the dark revenge plot. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, uh, I feel like maybe more than any show I've seen in a little bit. Like, not that like Sakugan is like this year's greatest failure or greatest fuck up. Don't worry, Fen is right over there. But. Uh-huh. It's Sakugan trending in that. More... It's. I mean, I don't think it'll hit Fena levels, but it's trending no, but, but, in that direction. What I'm saying is, I think Sakugan more than any show I've seen in a little bit is a show that like desperately needed a like consistently written character bible. Like, yeah. Gel, yeah. uh, just... I'd like to remind you that like Fena is nowhere near like the biggest collapse this year because Wonder Egg priority happened. Oh this year. yeah. So, <laughs> well, you... I, this season Ow. though. Uh... Right. That, that's the Fena, Fena just happened like a month ago, so yeah, it's, right. it's still fresh in our memory. But yeah. yes, Wonder Egg is the the big uh, from from very high to very low uh, yes. drop off. Um, oh, forgot about that. <laughs> All right, well, um, I mean, is there any way they turn Sakugan around, or are we like permanently damaged? At I think this point? I think the damage is there. I think I bet. Yeah, I, I think, think damage... I think at best we get a couple of wacky bits. Yeah, because not much. Because it's only one core. There's not that many yeah. episodes left. They right? could decide like... on a tone for the ending and go for the ending, and like that would that would mitigate the damage, right? If they could stay, if they could nail what they want to do for the next few episodes, I would. Sort of I would stay need the to course. see. I would need to see, like, within the next episode, some, like, sign that they learned some kind of lesson from what just happened. So, except like, the next episode preview is like, look, it's time for Wacky Beach episode, we're gonna have fun! Except, yes, it's gonna be the beach episode, according to the preview, so sure. that's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's Sure, let's let's waste the episode on the beach episode at episode 9. Um, yeah, I think at, I think at best, Sakugan can salvage itself, but it's never going to, like, Yeah, there, there's too like, much damage done for this to damage. be, like... That's a shame. The it, first yeah. episode was so good. Real shine. Big Tony's such a great robot. The, fir- <laughs> the first episode was so good. I had such high hopes for this show. Man, Big Tony's the best. Big Truly. Tony is great. Uh, like, Big Tony, best new character of the year. Uh, as I said, I'm more of a regular Tony guy. But you know, <laughs> and even even regular Tony's regular not Tony's... had that much screen time. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
Like when was All the last right. time a Mepu did anything with a with a regular sized Tony? He shows no. up in episode seven. Like okay. Oh. All right. Well, that's gonna do it. Uh, we don't have time to talk about Thunderbolt Fantasy, unfortunately, oh, but both me and Zig have been watching some of that. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Good. Every it's still moment, good. every moment of dialogue, solid gold. I, I don't, I don't know how they do it, but. All right, guys. Well, you know the drill. We're all gonna have to finish season three in time for Anime of the Year deliberation. Uh, did, did season, was season three, three end this year? Yes. Yes. Season oh, last was season. This, oh boy. Was last season. Oh boy. Oh, we can't. Geez. We can't throw another. We can't throw another <laughs> contender in. We got too many. We got too many. Uh, I'll see. What, I'll see what Thunderbolt we can do. Fantasy season three. The winner in our hearts. Uh, now, now that. Now that. Um. It. Now that we have another show off the books, I, I'll probably have more time to catch up. So. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Then, uh, normal housekeeping. Check us out at theglorioblog.com. Follow us on Twitter at theglorioblog. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher, and of course, you can follow us on YouTube, where you can you know like, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, all that good stuff. You can. Uh, Make sure you tell your friends, of course. Tell your enemies. And we'll catch everybody next time. Tell your third-party non-allied countries. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) They all count the same.